On today's show, we're going to make a tasty snack that you can do at home with these simple ingredients that you can find around your kitchen. First, you'll need one pound of ground beef, a cup of flour, 12 scoops of peanut butter, 18 Twinkies blended into a liquid form, one red onion, a cup of salt, a quarter cottage cheese, two and a half cups of shredded cheddar cheese, a whole container of Boston baked beans, a can of peanuts, not the one with actual peanuts in them, but the one with the springy snake things that pop out at you, a pound of lard, one sheep's bladder, and one Tide Pod for spice. And the most important ingredient, love. It's killer food on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Hello and welcome to Attack of the Killer Podcast, the only podcast that tastes great and is less filling. This is episode 282 and we will be talking about killer food movies. So sit back with your favorite podcast snack and enjoy. Now if this is your first time listening to the show, let me give you a heads up of what you are about to experience. Attack of the Killer Podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends get together and discuss horror movies. We come up with some dumb topic like killer food, and we talk about films within that topic. Now, we're just friends hanging out, love talking about movies with one another. Oftentimes, we kind of even forget we're recording a podcast, so there may be spoilers. Consider yourself warned. Now, I'd like to take this opportunity and plead to your heartstrings. Attack of the Killer Podcast needs your help. The podcast needs a new roof and new plumbing. Also, Tad goes to bed hungry every night, probably because he can't eat cheese. Andy wears shopping bags on his feet for shoes, and Jason needs more Transformers. He does. But it doesn't have to be that way. Your donations can help bring smiles to the mis- to these misfortunate podcasters. Go to jointheattackers.com, uh, and for a simple price of a cup of coffee, this little podcast can have a warm bed to sleep in at night. If you support the show, you are rewarded for your selfless deed. When you sign up at jointheattackers.com, you become an attacker and get all, the, all kinds of perks such as bonus episodes, early access to the main show, YouTube shows like Insane Mike's Women in Top Ten Lists, video updates, killer critiques. You can get your own membership card, membership certificate, and a special sticker. You can get original art and even a t-shirt. There's so much amazing content that you could get, and all you have to do is go to jointheattackers.com, sign up for the tier for the perks that you want. Again... Join the Attack of the Killer podcast family today by going to jointheattackers.com. And now it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He can drink a glass of milk so fast it's pasteurized before you know it. Andy! Thanks for listening, everybody. How's it going? He had a dream he was being followed by celery. I guess you could say he was being stalked. Tad. Hey. He ordered pizza the other night, and it seemed to be taking forever, so he called the pizza place to find out where his pizza was. They told him it was on its way. He asked if it was going to be long. They said, no, it'll be round. Jason. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. 
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Glad you're here. You know what? What's that, Mike? Pizza sounds really good. It does. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go get some pizza. Um, I'm going to turn the show over to Tad for what we watched. What we watched. Yeah, after that bonus episode, I'm really hungry now. <laughs> and, uh, we're, on a, we're only going to keep talking food, which is bad, but... Um, Jason, what have you watched lately? Oh, I've watched a couple things. Um, really excited to have checked out The Banshees of Inishirin. Yes. Um, it's really freaking good. Freckin', yeah. Um, it's got uh, Brendan Gleeson, Colin Farrell. Um, it's... Uh, two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. Yeah, just two two best friends, and one just decides that he doesn't want to be friends anymore. <laughs> it's so yes, good. F- feel for uh, Colin. Colin Farrell, yeah. Jeez, man. Like, what a cold-hearted asshole. I know. And it's just but for, it's funny, for being too. boring. Yeah. That's his reason. Like you're not being. Oh. You're boring. This sounds yeah. like a horrible movie. <laughs> no, it's well, it's it, a drama, but also a dark comedy. Yeah, but it's definitely. Got some I don't of know that how comedy. to explain it. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's very Irish, very accent filled. <laughs> um, it's great, very old timey. Oh, they're just it's just on a hillside and small town. Just you killed me, donkey. It's just, it's 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 really cool. It's really cool. Definitely, Very unique. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth checking out. Definitely, it's up for best picture, I hear. Yeah, it's up for a lot. And then uh, Michelle and I got to, I I got her to watch a movie. Whoa! I know, <gasps> I know. And it's uh, I haven't seen this movie since the theater, and it's kind of to help uh, get ready for the next one coming out. Um, but it's Bumblebee, the Bumblebee movie from 2018. Oh, my. A Transformers Bumblebee movie. She doesn't watch hardly any movies, and that's the one you make her watch? Well, She's, yeah. She, he's got her somehow convinced that Transformers are interesting. Uh, she does. She likes them. <laughs> I mean, I'd have to say all of, out of all the live-action Transformers movies, that is the one to watch. Oh, hands what, down. The best. Is that, is that is the general the consensus? It Jason? really, it really is amongst. Does all it transform the... into a better movie? Come on! Oh, that opening, it? that opening scene. Of oh, I'm just Cybertron. kidding. I haven't seen a single Transformers movie. Is I'm that just... the John Cena oh. one? Yes, John Cena is in this, and he's pretty. He's pretty funny. He's pretty funny. In it. He's actually like outside of Batista, probably the best like wrestling actor. I think he's actually oh, yeah. under underrated because he's. Yeah. I mean, like in uh, Blockers, so goddamn funny. Oh, he's, yeah. yeah. He's hilarious. So funny, dude. Well, I'm Peacemaker, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Peacemaker. Uh, Peacemaker's great. In that, uh, oh, God, what was the, the train wreck? Train wreck? Yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't enjoy the movie that much, but uh, him and Bill Hader made it watchable. I'd have to say if they ever um, – do a remake of the Ernest movies. They need to. Have oh yeah, <laughs> like a buff Ernest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I cannot have anything but love for that man. Like he has the record for most Make a Wish. Uh, 
Oh he's, yeah. He's got like nothing but good things in his history. Just the nicest human alive. I mean, yeah, just, I don't think he has an enemy on this planet. So. Yeah. Anyways. And he's good in the Bumblebee movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a reason to watch it. It's really good. It, it uh, basically reboots the franchise as far as the storyline goes, so you don't need to watch the Michael Bay crap. Do, I mean, do we need to do one of these movies for a first-time podcast, Jason? Oh, have you not seen this? Oh. I've, I've only, I haven't even seen the first one. I've seen clips of it. Uh, it's good. First I, one's I, the best, but my, it's not my much. background in Transformers, as you know... Um, is like <laughs> non-existent. I've never seen the animated one. I've never seen an uh, outside of oh, like Chad. animated gifts. I've we never got some seen work anything. to do. We got some work to do. Whoa. Shockwave just had the coolest voice. That's all I know. But at least you constantly give me shit about toys and Transformers <laughs> every chance it's you because get. I love you. That's oh, my sign that's of love. It. But yeah. um, is <laughs> this one? This one still is a Michael Bay thing, right? It's just like he's he's uh, he's in producer. there as a producer. Yeah, not director. But so Steven Steven Spielberg too. So. Well, you know, who 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 like made this one? Why is it uh, this so is, much better? It's done by Travis Knight, and he directed um, Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, well, oh, yeah, which was Let's, freaking awesome. Yeah, I love it. it. Yeah, um, and why it's good is like Jason said a minute ago. It reboots everything and throw away throws away those Michael Bay movies. Yeah, so so just, so. I've I've always heard the argument that it was like just the most simple and more about the Transformers and less about the people, where the other ones were. I don't know. Well, that's what you pay to see, right? Well, that's that's always the debate with that kind of with those kind of properties, right? They say the same thing with the Godzilla movies, but I do agree that it. Uh, I mean, I should let you talk. This is your area oh. of expertise, but uh, I do feel like it's 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 the truest to Transformers, and it doesn't get all bogged down with its movie mythology. Like those, like some of those later films, especially, it's like, mm-hmm. what, what's the story here? It's just so bogged down and like, oh, the Transformers were around during King Arthur's time and whatever the f, you know, and right. it's like it's doesn't make just... any sense. And... Well, what nope. number is this in that in the live action? Is it like the fifth, sixth. fourth? Oh shit! Yep, this is the sixth one, I believe. Don't we? Don't they have another one coming? And too? then there's one coming out called Rise of the Beast this summer. Which oh yeah, with the that's got like the dinosaurs in it, or right or something. It's got. It's the first time that uh, the Beast Wars, the animals, Transformers oh, have like been Grimlock in live action. And shit. No, like Cheetor and Air Razor and yeah, Beast and, Wars, yeah, uh, Optimus of Primal, the, the big ape. <laughs> it ain't easy being cheesy. So, <laughs> I I stepped over you explaining why Bumblebee is the best one. Oh, you, it's you do it. It's great because it it keeps it simple. Like you said, it it concentrates on just. Uh, the thing about Bumblebee, a common theme is that he's the child of the Transformers and he relates to the humans. Like, he's seems to have the most connection with the humans, just in general, in a lot of the different storylines. So, uh, this, this, just, uh, this girl is a, is a teenage girl who finds the, finds Bumblebee. They find each other and it's their kind of story. It's, there's, the human stuff that deals with her is really great and very deep and meaningful, and it's a good story. And but the uh, the action and the hijinks that those two get into while being chased by really mean Transformers is it's good. It's really it's good. super solid, and it's and it 
has a good story. So what, what did Michelle think? Uh, she really liked it. She got mad at me because she's like, she said, why did you, why didn't you tell me it was going to be so good? Uh, she's crying because there's some, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, there's some touching some parts. Stuff, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, she's, she's into it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. So that's what I watched. All right. I guess I'll throw it to Andy to be on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm guessing you didn't watch a Transformers movie. Mm, no, I did not watch a Transformers movie. <laughs> um, I'll get the the two uh, most recent ones out of the way. I watch. I went to the theater and watched Cocaine Bear. Oh, awesome. Man, I, I don't think that. I really need to describe this, uh, but it, it's it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and um, <laughs> uh, I didn't. I kind of went in a, a little blind. I didn't know exactly all of who was in it. I only knew that Ray Liotta was in it. And uh, he's hardly in the movie, to, to tell you the truth. I mean, he's he's in there towards the end more. But uh, Margot Martindale is, is great in it um, because anything, any character part that she does, she just fucking kills it. Um, what's... Uh, oh, she was in uh, Antlers... Uh, uh, starts with an, gosh dang it. Uh, she was the mo- uh, the sister in Antlers. You guys remember her name? It's I uh, don't. No. Joyce DeWitt. Uh, Carrie Russell. Okay. Uh, Ca- Carrie like Russell. The teacher. Ca- Is the teacher in that? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. She's okay. The, she's yep, the teacher, yep. but she was the sister to the the police officer. Okay. Um, but Car- Carrie Russell's in it. O- O'Shea Jackson's in it, and uh, yeah, it's it's. You know, you know what you're getting into. You know by the title, obviously. Directed um, by Elizabeth it, Banks. That's cool. It's, um, it's yeah. It's directed by Elizabeth Banks, and it's just it's just fun. It's it's a popcorn movie, dude. I mean, it's just it's hilarious, and it's you know it doesn't take itself too seriously, but um, yeah, what just go go to popcorn. it and have fun. Um, Another one I just watched, uh, actually, I got it out of the way today, <coughs> is I watched Sick. <clears throat> yeah. And I really like that one, too. I mean, because it was, uh, and I don't want to give too much away because I, I uh, Jason, Mike, have you seen it? Nope. Nope. Um, it's on Peacock. Um, it's, uh, I, the only thing that I will say is um, it's, uh, it's a little original scream esque in like the in the tiniest way, but but it's also um, uh, very relevant to what's going on, you know, within the past couple of years, and I'll, and I'll leave it at, leave it at that. But um, another another great movie where I didn't really, I kind of had an idea what was going on, but like, um, just. Like the theme of the movie, I just thought was like the backdrop, but it turns out the theme of the movie had a lot more going on with the the overall plot, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, <clears throat> next up, I uh, kind of is a first time watch for me, so I can't do it on Tad's podcast, but it would have been fun to do. But I watched a little movie by Lumberto Bava called Demons, yeah. and. My definitely my kind of movie. Uh, I love I love the time period. Uh, I just love. Uh, I mean, it's um, dude. It's, it's a guy the... on a fucking motorcycle, a dirt bike with a samurai sword. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Come on. And 
80s metalheads would love this soundtrack, by the way. Fuck yeah. I mean, between Accept and Motley Crue and uh, what was it, Motorhead too, or something like that? I don't know. There was a lot of just, you know, 80s, like, and I wouldn't even call it all hair metal. There's like a lot of like uh, thrash and whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, just a lot of, uh, it's definitely, I mean, if you're a Return of the Living Dead fan, you're probably really going to like this movie. Um, I bought it uh, from Synap Films. It's the Demons 1 and 2 Blu-ray, so I haven't got around to watching Demons 2 yet, but that's probably going to be coming uh, very, very soon. Might uh, be on an upcoming Unwrapped episode. Yeah, possibly. Oh, we could do that. We could do that. It's one that I haven't unwrapped as well. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, but, yeah, definitely, definitely really, really liked uh Really like this movie. Um, yeah, between, you know, just... And plus, you know, I guess I really like movies, uh, horror movies in particular, that take place in movie theaters. Like, you know, between Popcorn and Midnight Movie and... Uh, God, I know there's another one that I can't think of, but um, I definitely really like this one and, uh, and can't wait to... In- You'd even mention the pimp. I mean, come on. There's a pimp. In oh, there. yeah. There's there's a pimp with, like, uh, he's bald, <laughs> and he's got, like, these mutton chop sideburns. I mean, he's he's just... Should have been Ken Forey. Yeah, right? <laughs> he's the um, Italian Ken Forey. Yes, yes. And uh, just... so, And some of the kills in it are, are great. And I think it's, what was it, 86? 85. 85? Um, yeah, just... Uh, Heck a of a good of a time. Movie, man. You, you can't go wrong with a movie where a guy is riding a motorcycle, slashing demons in a movie theater with a samurai sword when a helicopter crashes through the roof. Oh, yeah. With, yeah, yeah I mean, hair metal playing. Yeah, with Iron Maiden playing in the background. <laughs> yes, exact, exactly. Um, yeah, in the, in the Motley Crue song that I heard in the movie, I had never, ever heard. I thought I've heard like pretty much like all of Motley Crue's stuff, but it must have been exclusive for this movie or maybe Was it, it the just... one uh where they're where the guy has like the razor blade on the chick's nipple doing cocaine? I I think so. I don't remember, but I think I that remember. might have been in the, the backseat of the car. Yeah, I was thinking that Oh, was okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the one. And it looks like <laughs> I was uh and it's just like the one thing about that is just like every time they uh they would cut to the theater what was going on there and they would cut back to the car and then they're 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 actually sucking cocaine out of a <laughs> coke can yeah. through a straw Ital- and the italians up aren't his subtle nose. um yeah that's uh that's a that's quite quite the great pun there um but like yeah the 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 chick with the blonde hair that got coke done off of her off of her nipple yeah she's just like it reminded me of like I had to laugh when I saw her because she reminded me of the guy from Escape from New York with the <laughs> spiky hair. I was like, is that his sister? Yeah. No, that was just him. Yeah. I, in um, my mind, it's like Trash's sister, like the, the, the you know, the Italian Trash. Uh, there yeah, you go. I mean, yeah, maybe that's what they were shooting for. But like my mind went to the guy from Escape from New York, you know. Um, next up, uh, basically, uh, from what I could tell when I watched this uh, – it's a it's a movie that was made in Spain, and um, 
it was it was I didn't know what it was because I was I'm kind of studying like uh like the cult movies and satanic stuff like you know uh, Rosemary's Baby and stuff like that. This is called Black Candles. Have you guys ever heard of this? Mm-mm. No. Um. Wow. Okay. Basically, what we're dealing with is Spanish porn with uh um a satanic cult backdrop, and basically, there's more porn in this. Basically. You get to see uh, simulated sex with a woman. Uh, she, uh, with it's like this cult ceremony where this woman that's there, she basically has sex with a goat. Not kidding. It's and it's not it's not super graphic, but it's like uh, graphic enough. And it's, I mean, on the front of it, it says "sex depravity and perversion" in a movie seemingly made by Satan himself. Um, not a really good movie per se, but, um, you don't special, say, yeah, <laughs> uh, the, I mean, maybe I'm selling it with the goat. I don't know, but, um, you're not selling it with the goat. <laughs> well, you don't know all of our listeners. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the special features on this are actually a lot more interesting than the movie. They're talking about the history of like, uh, satanic films with like, you know, the exorcist and, um, uh, a lot of uh, the ripoffs that were made in Italy, and because this was made in 1982, and uh, the the special features are a lot better than the, than the film. They're a lot they're a lot more interesting. But yeah, strange, crazy film. Um, next up, is it, and what, I'll try uh, to do this. I was just gonna say real quick, what label did that? Because I imagine uh, is it like vinegar syndrome or it's actually Severin. Okay. Um, next up, uh, I've been wanting to see this one too, uh, just cause I'm a Paul Thomas Anderson fan. Uh, I watched the master with, oh, uh, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Amy Adams. Uh, wasn't, uh, it, the, uh, what, what I expected it, it was going to be, but, uh, it basically takes past after takes place uh, a little after world war two and, from what I from what I can gather, uh, basically Philip Seymour Hoffman is like taking his cues from uh, L. Ron Hubbard, and basically it's you know this cult like thing that's um, dealing you know with they go into like meditations and they say they can cure cancer and just like Joaquin Phoenix is this war veteran with PTSD who is who's an alcoholic and he is just freaking lost and he's just trying to find some sort of purpose and like. Philip Seymour Hoffman and like this whole crew is just manipulating him. And um, yeah, interesting, interesting movie. Um, um, not, not my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson uh, movie, but I mean, it wasn't bad. I mean, which one is out. what holds your uh, favorite uh, man? Uh, I really liked uh, boogie nights, dude. Like heart ever yeah, since heart it came bad. out. Um, just the, all the character actors in it. Um, this like the crazy guy. Uh, God, I, I cannot One of the think. best ensemble cast of all time. Yes, exactly. You know, Julianne Moore, Burt Reynolds, um, William H. Macy, uh, John C. Riley. I mean, you, the list goes on and on. It's just, it's such a, it's such a good movie. And, uh, and you know, it's in the seventies and I like, I like those movies from that, from that Heather time. Heather Graham as roller girl. Yeah. Oh God. Yes, of course. Um, 
yeah, Don Cheadle. Uh, yeah, just awesome. I could like watch it again this week. Um, another one, and this is a documentary, and it takes place at the height of the sat- Satanic Panic. Um, it's called The Acid King. You guys ever oh, heard of this? Yeah, I've seen that doc. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. It's, it's basically, it, it's taken from the, it's not really taken from the book Say You Love Satan, but Say You Love Satan really kind of jump-started it. And um, it's all about this kid that committed these murders, and he was a drug dealer back in Northport, New York, in the early 80s. And when he was killing this, you know, this kid, it was like, uh, he was kept saying, telling him, while well, he was stabbing him, saying, say you love Satan, say you love Satan. And um, it's just a retrospective about all of it. It was just all blown out of proportion, you know, about this whole satanic thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's, a, it's a very, very interesting story. Um, and Jim, Jim Van Bever's uh, yeah. talking hit in that a lot because he did a really good short film about that story. Uh, yeah, My Sweet Satan. Day. Yeah, My Sweet Satan. And, um, have you ever seen yeah, that? And I think Jim Van Bibber is like, he's not like, he's pretty entertaining in this too, because yeah. I think he's like a six pack to like seven or eight beers in while oh. he's getting interviewed. <laughs> yeah. And he's, yeah. he's not acting like an asshole, but I mean, you can tell he's having like a really good time talking about this. Um, but, and another thing that really surprised me was like the lead singer of Weedus was actually growing up in Northport at the time that this was happening. I think his name's like Brendan Brown or something like that. And uh, yeah, he he talks about, you know, just how the town was just, you know, really on high alerts. And, you know, uh, this is like the spark of like, you know, they're, they're, you have to get rid of all your Iron Maiden t-shirts and, you know, I'm going to smash your fucking Judas Priest records and, you know, all that. But um yeah, I I found it very very interesting. I I think you can watch it on Tubi. If that's where anybody's I saw in, it. Yeah, anybody's interested. Um, almost done here. Sorry, I'm kind of going long. But uh, another first time watch for me, and I forgot that uh, Mike Flanagan had made it. But I watched Oculus. Heck yeah! And yeah, that's uh, I yeah I I liked it. I mean, I think it deserves a second watch because like. Towards like the the last part of the movie, you can almost get. Uh, I feel I felt like I was getting a little bit lost as to what was real and and what was what wasn't. Maybe I I just maybe I had missed a part where it just it, it threw me off a little bit. Very bleak ending, um, but uh, also you know I like seeing uh, Roy Cochran in in films. I li- I like that guy, mm. and you know. I didn't know, realize that Karen Gillian was in it, and yeah, I I really really enjoyed it. So I think it might I think I might need to watch it again though. But yeah, you know it's uh, I'm kind of impressed that you can you know make a movie about a killer mirror and have it you know fairly engaging. So. Yeah, it's pretty so good. Next topic, Mike: Killer Mirrors. We could, we could <laughs> yeah. do one. I can well, you probably could. Want, another movie comes to mind. Yeah, which Amityville has the killer mirror in it? Four. <sighs> it's Amityville Four. There's a movie called Mirrors, and it has yeah. a sequel, Mirrors Two. Yeah, yeah, Ni- yeah. Nick Stahl, right? There, we just programmed the show. Uh, there we go. The dude Boom. from the dude from Lost Boys. Uh, what's his name? The, Keith 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 Sutherland. Yeah. Was in the first one. Yeah. Yep. 
Oh, Kiefer Sutherland is in the first Mirrors? Yep. And then, yeah, the Nick Stahl is in the second one. Okay, um, last one, and I've been wanting to see this one for a long time because I heard a lot about it. And it was uh, filmed at Disney, unbeknownst to anyone at Disney. And it's mm-hmm. in black and white. And it's about this guy taking his uh, family on vacation, and he just you know, kind of starts to hallucinate while he's there. And uh, it's the best way I can describe it is like it's like a David Lynch family vacation. Um, it's uh, yeah, I mean, I'll read off somebody here. Uh, let's see, a one of a kind piece of subversive surrealism. It is not possible that this film exists. Um, and it just it kind of rags on Disney a little bit, you know, how you know we're kind of disillusioned about it, but you can plainly see Epcot Center. Uh, I don't know how they got along around like all the legal wrangling about this, but I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's different. Um, but the only thing I'll really say about it, it's David Lynch, uh, family vacation. Cause it's, it's, it's very, very weird. It's like black and, and it's all in black and white. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to describe, but I mean, like he'll be like going on like the small world ride and like, you know, these uh some of the exhibits on in there will start having like demonic faces at him and he's kind of like you know freaking out a little bit and his wife is just constantly nagging at him and yeah he just starts to kind of really lose his shit towards like the end of the movie but yeah escape from tomorrow interesting movie and i'm done sorry it took so long all right, Mike, what have you watched? Okay, uh, I didn't really watch anything new, but I have been filling uh, some holes in my f- film watching. <laughs> um, there was a movie from 1979 that uh, I've been always wa- wanting to see, and I couldn't find it anywhere, and randomly they had a DVD of it at Goodwill last time we were at Goodwill. It's called Scavenger Hunt. Uh, it's directed by Michael um, Schultz, who directed Car Wash, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, uh, crush Groove, Disorderlies, and of course, The Last Dragon. Um, nice. This is one of those like Cannonball Run-esque type movies, or It's a Mad, 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 Mad World type of movies. Uh, basically, yeah, I don't know if I got all I the mads in right Did I get them? Okay. Uh, basically, this rich uh, old game inventor, he dies and leaves all of his money um, to to like uh, these group of friends, family, um, and like rando people that have left a, some kind of small impact in his life. Uh, but they all have to compete in a scavenger hunt to win, uh, this guy's fortune. And, um, this leads to a lot of like crazy madcap antics as the people race against time to win the scavenger hunt. Uh, I've always liked these type of movies, hmm. uh, these like total collection of, of, of character actors uh, going through crazy adventures and some kind of some kind of like road trip on speed type of cinema. Um, it's funny. I wouldn't say this is probably a, towards the top of that subgenre. It's it's funny. It's got some great comedic moments, but I feel like there's a lot that kind of missed the mark. And, and and you know, and like I could see what they're trying to do, but at the end of the day, probably probably wasn't as funny as it could have been uh but the real reason to see it is the cast uh forget boogie nights for its all-star cast this is 
This is Scavenger Hunt is the one. You got uh, Richard Benjamin, James Coco, Scatman Crothers, Cloris Leachman, uh, Clevin Little, uh, Ronnie McDowell, Richard Mulligan, uh, Tony Randall, uh, Dirk Benedict, Willie Ames, Stephen First, Richard Mauser, a meatloaf, Vincent Price shows up, Arnold Schwarzenegger shows up, and that's just to name a oh. few. It's got a huge, huge all-star cast of such amazing character actors, and one of the re a couple of the reasons I've always wanted to see it is I, I love Cloris Leachman, I love Richard Mauser, uh, Richard Mulligan, uh, a lot of these guys, Rodney McDowell. Um, I'd have to say probably the funniest out of the whole movie is it's Richard uh, Mauser. Uh, um does his, he? Uh, sorry to interrupt, but does, is he the? Is he a decked all out in camouflage in this movie? No, no. He's which he's, is the one that? I don't know which one he's wearing. All maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaking a different like kind of film. Yeah, maybe. In this one, he's just like he's super nerdy and kind of dumb. Anyway, and it's funny. Um, does, it was one of the uh, sorry to interrupt again. I just want to make sure I know what, which film I talk. Does Vincent is Vincent Price like the? Uh, board game maker and he dies in the beginning yeah yeah so you've seen this then I, I it's been forever but I, I i vaguely know which one you're talking about okay cool 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 yeah yeah um i think it's worth a view if you like that kind of if you like that kind of comedy and you like the um uh any of the names that i mentioned uh next thing i watched okay here we go uh as jason would say here's the thing um <laughs> I feel like I got to explain myself on this one. Uh, this next one, it's called Chicken in the Shadows from 2010. Mm. It's a super independent, no budget mm -hmm. film. Um, it, it's something that we would see at, a, at an Iowa film festival uh, that that barely made it in just because they had to fill a time slot. Um, basically, it's about this musical duo uh, from like the 70s called Toaster and Moose. Uh, who are getting back together and um, they have this like dumb, horrible manager who books this three day tour and it is a complete disaster. Uh, it's, it's got some really funny stuff. They tried to do it as a mockumentary, but like, I think it's like 15, 20 minutes in and you get like one talking head scene talking to the camera and I'm, and you're, and I was like thrown off. I'm like, why was that there? And Brandy's like, I think it's supposed to be like a, uh, mockumentary and I'm like there was nothing indicating that up until this one talking headshot so it, I feel like it kind of loses its focus on what it's trying to do um, especially if it's trying to commit to that mockumentary style uh, one of the things I feel like really makes this movie worth the watch are the songs uh, they do full song numbers while they're on this tour that we get full scenes of these songs and they are very weird and funny songs um, there's a scene where they are singing a song called Taste the Biscuit that they're singing in a department store. And the duet is like, you know, it's this guy and this female singer. She's, she's the singer and he plays keyboard and he does a little bit of backup vocals. Uh, so if any of that's sounding familiar, that song and that scene from this movie be went totally viral of a couple of years back and was, became this big thing on TikTok. Uh, the song is about, uh, eating dinner at K Kentucky Fried Chicken, if that, uh, tells you anything. But, uh, yeah, and 
Brandy introduced me to like all of those, all these like videos and memes from this Taste of Biscuit, and we just thought it was this old random couple that would that were literally singing songs until we found out that this was actually a clip from a movie. So kudos to them for like this, this like no budget, out of nowhere, super independent, not the best film um, out there, and managed to. You know, milk a little bit of success by having just a random a random thing that people latched onto. So anyway, the last thing I want to mention is um I've been really trying to go down the rabbit hole of some like super independent, uh no budget, uh no budget stuff. And it was really I, I watched a few things that I really don't feel like talking about, uh, but I needed a third thing to talk about, so I'm going to mention I watched my very first Dustin Ferguson film. Uh, for any of you out there who know who Dustin Ferguson is, but he's a... I know him. Okay, he's a filmmaker out of Kansas who um, has made 139 films since 2007. And, it, you know, it's all, you know, no-budget, independent stuff. Um, he, you know, he gets some, some cool people in it, like, uh, you know, Brink Stevens and stuff like that. Um, and he does a lot of like, he, he does what the Italians did in the eighties where he would do these sequels of other people's movies. So, um, <laughs> he's got like three or four Amityville movies in his that? filmography. The Italians did it. <laughs> um, and, and I just think he's such a small scale nobody's going to care to bother to sue him for copyright issues or anything and i think just like the italians my understanding is that they really don't have connecting threads um to the original film so maybe that's how we can get away with it uh anyway so i i watched one of his first uh, this is a first first film of his that i've ever watched probably not a good one to start on uh because it doesn't really give me the full scope of what this guy does but it's called mondo shock from 2016 and he did a few of these and there's a few other titles in his filmography that looked maybe they might be kind of similar based on name but it, it basically it's 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 his version of like a mondo film or a faces of death type thing and for the most part i kind of enjoyed it um because it was a way of doing just like these small little, like little, you know, jump scare, little, little mini VHS type of, of clips of things where, you know, it's just somebody shooting something and maybe something jumps out at them or something weird comes running at them or, you know, crazy, like you know, clip compilation. Yeah. Yeah. It's exact exactly what it is. And so for the most part, I was kind of digging it, you know, some of it, doesn't land very well and is not very well done, but some of it I thought was pretty imaginative and imaginative and and you know um, you know good jump scares uh, and then and then I was like then I got dis then I got bothered because then there was actually clips of real things in this mm. so I'm like okay so at the end of the day I'm like okay how much of this is him and how much is this of him just stealing videos off of YouTube or whatever. Um, because you know, there's a couple of them that I recognized. He showed he had the clips from the uh, the that thing that happened in Chicago in the '80s, where um, the airwaves, uh, the Chicago television airwaves, were disrupted by some rando 
uh, pirates that were doing like Max uh, Headroom. Max, yeah. So yeah. they showed some of the Max Headroom clips in there. Um, the one that bothered me is that uh, they showed the clip of the the guy who shot himself on live TV back in the early nineties. Yeah. Um, oh, that, uh, that you would see in the Republican. Every... Uh, oh God, Bill. I he was yeah, a, I a he was a Republican uh, in Pennsylvania. It'll come to me. I don't know, but every like faces of death ripoff video that was released in the 90s always included that and the fact that it was on in here too and i'm like ah that that really tainted the whole experience for me and then the fact of like okay how much is this is stuff that he did and how much of it he just took so so i don't know how to how to really rate it in the fact of like i was enjoying it for the most part and you know that thing that that realizing that uh, tainted it for me. But anyway, uh, that's what I watched. Awesome. Hey, Tad, what have you been watching? Since the last time we recorded, I have watched 17 Oscar nominees. Holy crap. And I have not gotten close to the finish line, but oh. I'm working on it. Um, I'm not going to go through all 17 because uh, we would be here all night, and I'm doing that on a separate episode of my podcast. So... Uh, since we've last talked, I'll sort of do some highlights real quickly. Uh, the Fablemans, uh, the new Steven Spielberg one, that was fantastic. If you like filmmaking, it's semi-autobiographical retelling of his life. Uh, really, really good. You guys will love it because it tells the tale of how Spielberg became Spielberg. Um, one that is not an Oscar nominee that I just had to watch is Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool with Mia Goth. Has anyone else seen it? Not yet. Yeah. Man, I loved it. I, I, uh, I'm, uh, he's like my new favorite guy now. Uh, I'm just so glad we have two Cronenbergs making fo- <laughs> films. I think he's yeah. past his dad now. I mean, not as Ooh. far as like general career, but current. He's more current. He's more, uh, modern he he knows how to make a more modern film but this i won't go too deep into story to spoil anything but uh one of the scars guards i don't know which one um right. the one that's not pennywise but uh <laughs> and he's not in barbarian so i don't know one of them uh goes on a trip he's a he's an author who has writer's block he goes on a trip with his uh fiance to an exclusive uh, resort and there he meets Mia Goth who is a huge fan of his work which is very surprising to him and his uh, lady because his first book was an absolute failure and uh, no one really knows his name he's a nobody and she just runs into him here and uh, things start going bad I will say and of course in the Cronenberg way uh, right in the middle it takes a huge fucking, like, what the fuck is this turn, mind fuck type of thing. Uh, and it's fucking awesome. It's gory and scary and tense and weird, but it's not uh, too complicated. It's not, like, I love that I watched it and got it. I, it wasn't over my head, like uh, you you might think. It's not too heady. It's not too full of itself. It's not a Christopher Nolan movie, but it's <laughs> still a nice mind fuck. Um, obviously watch pink flamingos new episode of first time coming out on that 
Um, awesome. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, looking through the list of things that you that our listeners might like, I saw Avatar: The Way of Water in theaters. Um, Love because him. I needed to check it off the list, and I knew James Cameron was not going to let go to streaming anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a part that was so... It, it, he wants these... I'm, I'm sorry if anybody loves these movies. Uh, not for me. There's a scene... He, James Cameron just wants these movies to be so utterly important. There's a scene in the movie where this like baby avatar... I don't know what the fuck they're called. Uh, the blue thing is floating through the water with this like sunbeams coming from behind. And it's, it's like, you know, supposed to be like godlike. I look over at Nikki and she's laughing so hard. She has her face covered in her like hoodie and she's trying to cover up because it's just so like, it's so cheesy, but it's trying to be so serious. And then, you know, it's one of those moments where it's like dead quiet in the theater. And I'm trying not to laugh because now I see Nikki laughing and she looks at me and then she's trying not to laugh because I'm laughing and just makes it worse. And we're like both like tears going down our faces, covering our mouths, snort, like trying to not snort through our noses. <laughs> it, it it was, that was my favorite part of the movie was laughing unintentionally at the, ba- at the <laughs> stupid shit. Um, anyways, I think uh, all quiet on the Western front on Netflix. If you're into war movies, at all, which I am not. Uh, this is really fantastic. Uh, it's very, very brutal to, you know, there was a 1940s, I think, orig- was the original. Yeah, I say that's what I thought you were talking about. This is there. a 2022 uh, retelling of that in a very authentic way. It's up for Best Picture. It's going to probably win Best International Picture or Foreign Language. Really, really good, uh, but I just... War films are hard, man. This is like really happened. You know, it's not. Yeah. It's not fun. It's <laughs> I can't I I can't say I enjoyed it because it's fucking hard to watch, um, but it's really really good and well made. Uh, I think uh, the the viewers might like Triangle of Sadness, which is another best picture, best director, best a lot of things. Uh, has Woody Harrelson in it as a boat captain, a drunk alcoholic boat captain. Um, very sat, sat, it's a big satire on like the rich and the like Instagram, uh, culture of like the basic premise. These, these two Instagram models are basically dating to help each other's career. Um, they decide to take this cruise with a bunch of really, really, um, egotistical rich people and uh shit starts going bad the like ship you know hits some uh there's a big storm and every all the rich people start vomiting on each other and uh madness madness starts happening uh i can't spoil too much but very strange to me like i I thought it was very cool but i'm like i don't i don't quite understand how it's up for so many awards i'm sure someone will explain it to me but uh (laughs) It's it's a lot of fun, um, and then I saw Obstacle Corps. Uh, we played that at the, at the Capitol. Yeah, how'd it go? Yeah. Uh, we didn't get a big crowd, but you know the small crowd was enthusiastic, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know where else you can watch it. Uh, it's it's hitting a few festivals. It's still doing a festival run this year. So and Hope came down for it. No, she did not. She wasn't oh. able to. Oh, 
wanted to, but uh, her schedule wouldn't allow, and I don't. Sure. Uh, I, I, it was a little late, like late notice on my end. Uh, we just sort of, I, looking at the calendar, it was the only open weekend we have for the next several months, so uh, happy to play it, and it was a lot of fun, really funny. Um, basically, these groups go on an obstacle course, but uh, the idea is not to die, and uh, I can't say anything else without spoiling anything but really good uh empire of light was fantastic about set in the 80s about uh a young man who starts working at a movie theater an old vintage movie theater sort of like the Capitol, and uh develops a relationship with an older lady who works there uh very interesting the shorts were all fantastic uh one that really blew my mind bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths um, it's by the same guy who did Birdman. You remember oh, Birdman? Yeah. Hmm? This movie's on Netflix. I have, it's two hours and 40 minutes. I have no idea what the fuck it's about. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to know, I think you might need to know some more of like Mexican history going into it to understand what it's referencing. I have no clue how to even explain this movie, but I will, I'll explain one short scene and then I'll move on. Um, there's a scene where a woman is giving birth to a baby. The doctor pulls it out, puts it on a table and is talking to it. And she, he brings it back to the lady and he's like, he says this world's too fucked up and he doesn't, he wants to go back. And so he puts it back in a woman's body and she's like walking in a hallway telling her husband, like, you know, Oh, he doesn't want to come out or whatever. And like the umbilical cords, like hanging out of her and it's like taut. So he just goes and grabs scissors and, snips it and they leave the hospital but later in the movie they're naked getting having some fun and he goes down on her and the baby's head pops back out and i hate it, I hate it when that happens yeah and they show it they show it in full graphic <laughs> yeah and it's on netflix yeah and uh he pushes it back in and and he like tells the wife like i think he's trying to tell us something and oh my <laughs> it's it's wild ride guys like this is like an acid trip movie like what this the hell is, is it called bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths okay uh it's it's it just watch the trailer you guys will probably watch the trailer and be like okay i'm Mike gonna will be like that. clear my schedule <laughs> yeah it is it is a mind trip guys like it is so much i, I don't it, it's weird man like i said it's like a fever dream of a movie uh, I don't know what you'd even call it as far as uh, if it's a comedy. I don't even, the tone of it is all over. I really don't know what to call it. I, <laughs> a movie? Maybe? I'm excited. It's, it's up for one Oscar for cinematography. Um, and so I'm interested to talk about it with, uh, with uh, Brian Carew because I'm sure he understands it a little bit more than me. Uh, it's by Alejandro Gonzalez Anaritu, who, like I said, did Birdman uh, and The Revenant. So this is, yeah, it's like half <laughs> Spanish, half English, completely weird. Um, and then the last one I'll talk about was EO, which is a sad story told from the perspective of a donkey. Okay. It's up for best uh, international picture, and it sort of just follows a donkey on this crazy journey. Um, 
uh, I don't even really know how to explain it either. Nothing like <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Um, but literally, it's from the donkey's perspective. You see the donkey like he's part of a circus, and then he gets sold to like a uh, a farm or a, a circus, and then he goes. It's like he try he does all these crazy things. He escapes. He goes to the woods and almost gets shot, and then he ends up and it basically uses the donkey to show you like the best and worst of humans. Um, hmm. cause he gets this donkey gets himself into all these crazy situations. And, uh, the whole time you're just like hoping and praying nothing happens to this sweet donkey, uh, named EO, the letters E and O, but, uh, it's up for best international picture. I, again, I, I hate to say I enjoyed it cause it was very sad, but it was very well made and very unique. Uh, it's worth checking out. So that's what I watched. All right. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, Shudder, right? Yeah. Shudder is awesome. And if you have not signed up for Shudder yet, you need to. It is the best in horror streaming service. Uh, tons and tons of great movies, classics, uh, Shudder originals. And I, we all highly recommend Shudder. A lot of the show happens because of Shudder. We find so many movies on there that we uh, put in our rotation. You can get a month of Shudder for free. Just put in the promo code AOTKP. It's a gift from us to you. Get your first month of Shudder for free. Do it. Again, that promo code AOTKP. Now, it is time to talk about the films for Killer Food. Tad, what's our first movie tonight? We're finally watching a new movie. The first movie <laughs> is The Menu. Is that going to fit everyone? Yeah, easily. 12 customers total. How do they turn a profit? 12.50 a head, that's how. What, are we eating a Rolex? It's one of his classics. You have to try the mouthfeel of the mignonette. Please don't say mouthfeel. Tonight will be madness. Welcome. We'll endeavor to make your evening as pleasant as possible. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are family. Yes, we harvest, we ferment, we gel. They gel? We gel. He's not just a chef, he's a storyteller. The game trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be. You won't know till the end. Who are you? I am Margo. Why do you care? I have to know if you're with us or with them. This menu. The pictures, they're of us. This guest list. How do they get these? It's not good. This entire evening. Jesus Christ. This is just theater. It's stagecraft. We're leaving now. Has been painstakingly planned. This is real, isn't it? What the hell is going on? We now offer you a 45 second head start. <laughs> okay, 45 seconds starts now. This is what you're paying for. Get out of my way. It's all part of the menu. No, we're going to die today. Yes, we are. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. You told
told him it was my birthday? Seemed funny about three hours ago. All right, The Menu was actually just released November 2022 and just hit streaming recently. A young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Uh, this stars Ralph Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Nicholas Holt, along with uh, some other great cast members, such as John Leguizamo. Uh, just, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't watch that trailer, or many trailers, right. before seeing it. I... So, you know, I, I understood the basic premise of it. And unfortunately, I didn't make this to make it to theaters to see this because it might have made my top 10 of 2022. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, my only gripe with that would have been, is it technically like, is it horror enough? I think it is. But anyways, the premise is basically a um, satire on like fine dining. It sort of turns the mirror on to these people, foodies who take food a little too seriously. Uh, and this chef takes shit out on these diners and things hit the wall. Anya Taylor joy is like the one relatable character in this movie. And uh, she's the one that, is very disinterested in this whole world and thinks it's all phony and fake. Uh, but a bit of a black comedy, a bit of a, like I said, satire, uh, lots of horror elements. I love this one. This is a blast. Uh, I'm glad that it got included on an episode so you guys could mm -hmm. all enjoy it too. So I, and, and so I could rewatch it. Uh, what'd you guys think? As our resident foodie, Tad, did you feel attacked by this? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. <laughs> it's funny because, like, that when felt it, like I, an attack. No, the reason I didn't see it in theaters was because Nikki didn't want to see it with me because she's the opposite and thinks, and she's Anya Taylor Joy in this movie. Yeah. And then I watched it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to see this because it makes fun of that world, Nikki. Like, she was thinking yep. it was gonna be like a food horror, and then. Uh, yeah, after she watched it, she's like, "Oh yeah, this is actually this is good. Like it, it makes fun of that world. It's very uh, celebrity chef who's gone mad." Yeah, and uh, yep. I no, I'm not triggered by it because I <laughs> definitely cannot could never afford to eat at a place like this. Nope. I, I I'm more of a street foodie. I ate at a food truck today. Um, <laughs> I eat at Circle K, so uh, <laughs> diner yeah. dives yeah. and drive-ins. Yeah, that kind jam. of that that uh, finding holes in a wall rather than uh, exclusive dining experiences. Not that I would not eat here and be pretentious as shit and take every <laughs> picture is. I could, yeah. but um, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody I, I, who eats full meals at a at a gas station is cannot be a, a foodie. <laughs> um, I I loved it. I loved it. I mean, I I knew within like the first five minutes of the film, I was just like, I can't like, like, like you said, uh, Tad, I like, I can't wait to see all these gray Poupon slurping pretentious motherfuckers eat glass. <laughs> I couldn't wait to see these people get fucked with. Um, 
but great performances just out of like like you said John John Leguizamo was actually pretty damn funny in this like uh when they get the 45 second head start like you heard in the uh in the trailer he 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 hands his coat to the assistant and says I told you I was terrible you know I mean they had <laughs> they had the alternative to like let the women go and all the men just took off except for Nicholas Holt because he's such this he's such an ass kissing idiot in this. Oh god, I wanted to do stand up and cheer when he hung himself. Spoiler, sorry. Uh but yeah, great uh great movie. I absolutely absolutely love this. Um just and Ralph Fine's performance was really good. I mean it's just it's so uh as much as you wanted to see these people just get put in their place, like hardcore, I still felt very, very uncomfortable for the fact that they were in this situation at the same time. It was it was very weird. Did anybody else feel that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I feel I like mean, the some more scene. Holy shit! Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That that was worth the whole movie for me. The s'more <laughs> thing. But I think like the structure of the film is ingenious in kind of building suspense because, you know, each serving escalates things. And so you're just, you're waiting for that next course. So that's where I feel like where you're, where you're coming from, Andy, as far as just that, that tension and that dread that you feel for these people, even though you hate them, um, yeah. because the film masterfully within its story structure um, builds that, builds that tension at the same time, like it feels like the story is uh, one of the old standards. You know, it's just this uh, fine dining spin on it that mm -hmm. makes it super interesting. You know, you got the madman who's punishing the bad guys. You know, it's just kind of yeah, that. Yeah. So there's no real good. I mean, except for Anya, but sort sort of like uh, like a Saw esque thing. Yeah, where totally. People get what they deserve, and, yep. and or the old Twilight Zone, where you know where they have to put on the masks, like very. Yeah. Very old, like you said, story's been told before, but not in the food world. So what you're saying is it's it's kind of like torture porn, but way tastier. <laughs> well, God, and, and the cinematography and food in this, man, like, oh, yeah. gorgeous. Oh, yeah. the, the that's what, that, great. That's yeah, what sells it. That's what sells it is his authenticity. Like, if you didn't believe this was a real restaurant and the food wasn't up to par and they faked it at all, it would not be believable. Who else was starving watching him make that cheeseburger? Oh, I mean, oh, oh, oh man, that was awesome, wasn't it? But Mike, and I, I, oh, and just, when when they set up the menu, like when they, you know, they they superimpose and they they say what's on everything, and they when then they and this movie's actually hilarious because they put Tyler's bullshit, you know, just oh, the yeah. leaks and just and they're totally <laughs> ragging on him because they made him cook and yeah, man, God. Just I can't say enough good things about this movie. It's it's awesome. I uh I know you had to do the same thing as me. Mm. Your Mike. Yeah. You had to be like fucking Judith Light is still <laughs> working. 
That is she my. She's still. That is my only note. I know. <laughs> How I have cool is Judith this? Light question mark question mark exclamation point exclamation point. From yeah. like, who's the How boss? How happy were you to yeah. see her? From who's the boss? I was. Oh, I was yeah. like, this isn't a Lifetime movie. She's. I know. She's in this like I'm assuming a you know decent budget major release you know theatrical uh-huh. released film. I was like so excited. I actually because I'm sitting there watching like that looks like Judith Light. <laughs> and as the movie keeps going, and I'm like, the is that be. Judith Light? <laughs> yeah, pull out uh, IMDb. I 100% did. Oh. I had to make sure. Oh, yeah. Yep. You called it, dude. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what about the creativity on the tortillas, though? Oh, that was oh, neat. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I really enjoyed this, too. I really thought it was funny. Some great dark comedy. Oh, um, yeah. Right. Uh, masterfully done satire on this culture chef's kiss just all puns tonight with you that's right that's all i do but yeah i yeah it was great it was great yeah i think this is like fox searchlight's biggest uh release like they're they're known for it's i I don't think it's called fox searchlight anymore i think it's just called searchlight since they got bought out by disney but um that's sort of their like Indie prestige. We're um, we, we want to make an A twenty four movie, but it's not artsy enough. Branch, uh, nope. and this was under that, and it's their widest release ever, and their most successful on uh, Searchlight. So, well, having Ralph, you know, lend credibility, Oscar winner, I am assuming. I was really happy to see An- Anya like play a normal person. Like, I yeah. like her a lot. I like her yeah. in everything she does, yeah. but, like, Amen. she's always kind of a weirdo. But <laughs> she was the straight man. I really liked just seeing her be n- normal. It's, <laughs> it's great because she's the voice of us in this movie, yeah. and, right. and that's what that's yeah. what makes all of this and hit so well. that's why she might make it out of there. Who knows? Yep. And it was very, um, and maybe it's just, I, I say this all the time, but maybe it's just my own stupidity. Like I never tried when I'm watching a movie, I'm never like trying to yep. figure out the ending in my brain. Yeah. My brain just doesn't work that way. So every twist and turn, and then we realize that she's not spoiler, that she's not actually like his, her, his girlfriend, that she's yeah. just basically like a hired prostitute is like, it blew my mind. Like I didn't see that coming. Which I love because, like I said, I'm a simple man. I'm stupid, and I don't see any of that shit coming. Where there's a million signs that point to that, and then I'm like, oh shit, you know, okay, and yeah, Ralph Fiennes is awesome. I think. Uh, let me look at her name. There's uh, the the sort of lead uh, like waitress that that uh, Hong Chow. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's fucking great in this. Underrated. Yeah. Oh, she's she was, she was so cold, funny. stone cold. Yeah. Yeah, uh, badass does not put up with anybody. Is just very yeah. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of uh, not seeing things coming, what about that chef when he puts the gun in his mouth and they yeah. that the mess? Yep. Yeah. Like, and oh, I was, we're taking it okay. to another level here. Okay. Yeah, that this, got out of hand pretty real. quickly. Uh, Hong Chow. How are you going to have an appetite after that anyway? How are you going to eat after some two <laughs> bullets? Well, how are you going to eat after like any of that? You know, my, uh, right. like, as soon as that shit starts, yeah, starts going downhill, it's bad. But, uh, yeah. Hong Chow is in the whale. Oh. I was like, where do I know her from? She's in the oh, whale and she's okay. Oscar nominated for the whale. So, oh, very cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Awesome. I love this one too. <laughs> She's no Judith Light. No Judith <laughs> Light. Freaking Light. Oh, no. Holy crap! <laughs> Couldn't believe it. it was amazing. Yep. <laughs> Angela. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tad. What kind of trivia do you have for the menu? There was like pages and pages, so uh, I might get a little long-winded, but uh, there will be a, more on this and less on the others. But uh, I, there's so much interesting stuff. Screenwriter Will Tracy came up with this idea while on his honeymoon in Norway when he took a boat to a fancy restaurant on a nearby private island and realized they were stuck on the island until the meal was done. Uh, so they actually sort of based this restaurant on the restaurant he ate at in uh, Copenhagen. Awesome. Uh, the entire kitchen team was actually trained to create the dishes broken down station by station so that if at any time you'd look at them, they're all doing the correct things they should wow, be doing cool. for that dish where it real life and not a movie. So they actually had to learn like how to do that shit. Nice. Uh, wow. John Leguizamo's character is officially called George Diaz, but he is simply credited as movie star. Any guesses on who he based this character on? He based his character on Steven Seagal, whom he called oh, a God. he whom he called a horrible human due to um, a bad experience while working with him on Executive Decision in 1996. Oh, shit. Uh, well, hey, he beat him fired. up like he bullied him and threw him yeah. up against the wall. Yeah, the multiple he's... references to Diaz playing a cook in one of his movies may be a nod to Under Siege, where Seagal <laughs> played a cook. <laughs> uh, so sort of like he gets the last laugh, a slap in uh, nice. old Seagal's face. Uh, and then in 2019, Emma Stone was attached to play the lead role Ooh. with Alexander Payne directing, but oh, in 2021, uh, Anya wow. Taylor-Joy replaced Stone and Mark Milode replaced Payne. So, hmm. Well, that was very well directed. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's the trivia for this one. Awesome. Thanks, Dad. Dad. Okay, moving on to our next, probably the best film of the evening. Uh, Andy, <laughs> what have we got next? <laughs> wow. Um, our next film is from 2012, and it's called Dead Sushi. Hey. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I forgot to warn you about the trailer. It's all I could do. It's the only one they really had. It was made for Europe and... Way too many spoilers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that trailer was the reason why this is on the show. So it Gave I, everything away. Okay. Um, <laughs> Kiko, the daughter of a legendary sushi chef, runs away from home when his karate-style regimen becomes too severe. <clears throat> Finding work at a rural hot springs inn, she is ridiculed by the eccentric staff and guests. However, that is not the whole story. Um, the guests um, are from a pharmaceutical company there to try the so-called really good sushi at this uh, it, at this inn, and um, Kiko Kiko does not like the way that they make sushi because she's seeing like all the horrible ways that this uh, chef is making it, but unbeknownst to everyone there, a disgruntled employee, employee that uh, basically uh, follows them there and has a reanimating uh, agent, kind of like uh, a la Herbert West or, you know, something like that, and he injects it uh, into uh, the sushi for, for the most part, and the sushi comes alive and grows teeth and bites people and basic basic zombie rules um, if you, if it bites the people and infects the people and uh, the movie just becomes completely fucking ape shit after that point. Um, flying sushi through the air, um, chewing on people, giant squids impaling people. Uh, headless headless girlfriend making out with her boyfriend with a squid stuck through both of their heads um yeah just really really bizarre shit not the great greatest special effects but at this point you don't really need it for this kind of movie um all the things andy <laughs> said are true i'm yeah i'm not making this shit up um and it gets weirder uh <laughs> It's 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 funny, but like oh my god! It's this movie is probably one of the most absurd goddamn things I've ever seen in my life. Um, mm -hmm. We have a giant floating battleship tuna roll fucking thing um, <laughs> towards the end. We have a guy's head that turns into a fucking tuna fish. Uh, it's just like I mean, do you really even need to be that much? you know, involved in the plot after this, after you're seeing this crazy shit. Uh, it's got really funny stuff because this guy likes to, this one um, pharmaceutical agent or whatever wants to uh, get with this other female uh, co-worker. And basically she's got like sushi, sushi you know, and a squid chewing her tongue off and her, her top's undone, and he wants to grab her boobs, and it's like, look the way she's doing this sexy dance, and she starts act like literally sexy dancing while Killer Sushi is chewing her tongue off. It was actually pretty. It's actually pretty <laughs> damn funny when you see it. Um, but I gotta say, after everything that I've seen, that I've told you about, one of the most fucking disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. 
in this movie is when they kiss the Japanese way in this movie where they break open an egg yolk and they transfer the egg yolk to each other's mouth like two or three times and they end up gagging. I'm just like, okay, I've seen some sick shit in horror movies, but for some odd reason, this, this, (laughs) that one got to me. (laughs) That one got, that one made me nauseous because I was just like, you can tell it's like a real egg and they're like, gross. Yeah. Oh God. Um, what more can I fucking say? I mean, just like, you cannot take this batshit crazy movie serious at all. I, but deep down inside, I'm kind of glad that I watched it. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you have to sort of set the tone, explain to people who who might not watch the trailer or understand. It's like those, what is it, the Yuko or whatever monster movie we watched a while ago that was batshit crazy it's like yeah it's like these old crazy japanese movies where nothing makes any sense it's weird monsters but instead of monsters it's sushi and you know old kung fu type shit and but it it knows that it's outrageous and it's having fun and and it's has that power rangers um feel to it where it could almost be like a kid's TV show from the Mm. 90s. Uh, And it's just dumb fun. It's like the opposite of what we just talked about with the menu. It's on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, this is... um, And yet very similar. This is, uh, you know, I would call it like their kind of Sharknado in a sense. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah. I mean, that's all I got. I mean, what the hell more can I say? Guy heads, heads turns into a fucking tuna fish. I say it's like the menu and the fact that this also <laughs> is a commentary on taking food too seriously. Like the whole Japanese culture on just how how serious and how much of an art form it is to make sushi. And I feel like this movie's poking fun of that at great lengths. I suppose. Wait, what? No, I... I know you hated it. I got Go a ahead. big. There's a big. Here's the deal. <laughs> here's the thing. Oh, I fucking love this movie. I thought. It oh, was, for real? I thought it was great. Oh, I nice. enjoyed the hell out of it. Really? Oh yeah. Okay, cool. I don't hate it, but I'm yeah. just like, holy shit. Tagline is the sushi bites back. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was fun. I think I'd recommend this. I think everybody needs to watch it. I'm. Uh, Waiting for the no <laughs> punchline. It was great. I thought the the main. I mean, it's not good, but like <laughs> there we go. It's not like is Mike holding Andy you at gunpoint right that. now? Andy already said it wasn't good. I mean, if you want, I, mean, I think the, Mike's holding you at gunpoint. He, he's he's hanging a transformer by its leg, and he's. I'll drop him if you oh, just. I would do it. Did no, it feel, I'm just sorry, say the ahead. safe word. Just let us know you're okay. Sassafras. Um, <laughs> okay. No, but uh, I mean, yeah, the CGI stuff is bad. Oh, it took me. It's out. so bad, but like, uh, in spite of that, I I don't know. It was it was fun. It was just stupid and dumb. And um, come on, super stretchy face. That was cool effects, yeah. right? Oh yeah, <laughs> with his face getting. It was torn gross. Yeah. Well, the, the worst thing about this movie for me is that I made the mistake of trying to eat dinner during it. Oh no! And it, was, yeah. it made it tough. Made it tough. Especially you try to eat sushi during no. it. No. Especially, how about especially when the zombies are just 
puke and rice. Oh the yeah, mold, no, I could, it's hard to watch that. That is that was. I think that was grosser than the swapping egg yolk. But yeah, oh no, but I I did I I, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Well, that does my heart good. <laughs> Such a ridiculous fun. movie fun. that you still had fun with it. That's great. I mean, yeah, the CGI moments are bad. I mean, it kind of mm-hmm. took me out of the movie at several moments, especially like uh, Andy said, the the battleship tuna roll. What? Um, yeah, and what and what does, does that even? How mean? does tuna have explosives? <laughs> how does it have? Yeah. How does the guy's head? T- head turn into a fucking fish i mean who well, cares at this point it just felt like the the cgi in it and this isn't you know the the old man soapbox cgi blah 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 bad it just felt like there was a lack of effort in it and that's what really ruined it for me is it just felt like it was effortless in the cgi it was like bird demo le- bird demic level mm-hmm. um cgi mm-hmm. and and it was that was very disappointing, especially with the practical effects. Were so much fun. I liked the the tuna headed guy Me at too. the end. I thought that I thought that mask looked great. You know, the mouth would move with his voice. Yeah. It, was, it was a very very cool looking mask. I thought, and I would have loved to have seen that version of that character more in the movie. He transformed and way too late. I for thought me. the majority of the action scenes were actually pretty good. Yeah, some cool, some That's cool kung fu yeah, actions some, and the fight stuff. I was... thought the the boss's head getting chopped off was, you know, pretty good. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was very Kill Bill in a way. The yeah. only CGI thing that was passable for me was Eggy, just because I loved I Eggy. Eggy. Yeah, you love Eggy, right? It was so great. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> It's so, it's so This dumb. movie is so bad. It's yeah, I start so watching stupid. it, and I'm like, "A fucking this is like this is Mike's fun episode." I know exactly. <laughs> this is, uh, but I mean, you need to see it. This is, I, it's, yeah, I don't hate it, but I'm. It's just the like, perfect Tubi movie. Yes, yeah. which is where it's at. I think I, I watched it on like a Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon or something, which is like the perfect time for it. Don't. You know, spend don't get all your snacks ready and watch it on a Saturday night. No. It's not that kind of movie. What this? What I would really love to see is if there's a gag reel on there, this movie. There were at the end. Yeah, there's some in the end credits. I well, I mean, I was hoping for oh. like a little bit more because like they had to crack up making this fucking movie. How could you not? <laughs> oh yeah, they showed that egg scene, egg yolk scene, outtakes. During the credits, well, when the guy's yeah. like screaming at this little fake piece of sushi, with but he's with <laughs> has the knife in the bathroom, ah, da, 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 sushi, ah, da, da. you know, <laughs> like <laughs> God. Maybe I'm a bad. I don't. I don't know if I mean this. This is doesn't sound. I just wished uh, this movie would have been better if it if it had dubs. Okay, you know, like because because it is so fucking dumb and stupid. Yeah. Like it, I'm like. It's too much investment to have to sit there and fucking read the goddamn bullshit. Because it's, uh, it's I, worthless. I it's so stupid. It. Well, yeah. half of it was them narrating what they were I, doing. I know. Like, I, the door won't open. The, 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 the knob is broken. Man, you if know, it was just, just dubbed, like, well, it could just all, be all entertainment. showing us the whole time, dude. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just like... But but by then I didn't even care. I was just like, why am I gonna bitch about the writing? I mean, yeah. just look at the goddamn I guess, do movie. Do you even really need the dialogue for this movie? It's I like, guess. I suppose actually not. <laughs> but too late. I already had to fucking read it. 
fine. It's just, yeah. It's like a waste of reading on something so dumb. You're waiting for <laughs> trying to figure out reasons of why sushi ha- can sprout razor blades, but you don't, you yeah. Know, yeah, you're not going to get that. And there's, <laughs> there's no way you can <laughs> rationalize that. Bare flesh cuts so easily. You know, the, <laughs> the guy she, with his shirt <laughs> off. She's so uh, persistent on, you know, forming the sushi by putting the two fingers and pressing down the rice. And I'm like, as someone who really loves sushi, I'm like, it, it, you know, it's it's interesting to me that the process, you know, because I, I am not a sushi snob. I have eaten it from gas stations or grocery <laughs> stores. Oh, you sicko. Uh, and... <laughs> I've had really high-end sushi, and, you know, obviously there's a difference, but it's, like, funny that they integrated, like, that, the process. It's not just, like, doing it the easy way of, you know, I don't know. It, there's there's some kind of um, actual message into it in, in that way. It's funny because, yeah. you know, takes offense to it and how it leads into the story and stuff. And it it's, you know, like you've all been saying, I mean, it's – it's bad, but fun bad, and mm-hmm. sometimes you it, it, you just need to turn off your brain and watch something stupid. That's so ridiculous. You know what this film was missing, though. Oh, what? Judith Light. Oh, Judith God. Light could have really made it better. That's a good point. Tad, what uh, trivia guffer <laughs> this one? I wonder. There's some fun stuff. You will love this, and it's so cool that it connects to our next movie. Director oh. Noburo Iguchi said he got the idea for the film after Piranha 3D was a hit in Japan. He'd <laughs> always wanted to make a film about people being attacked by animals and was searching for the right theme, something high impact. Since he also loved Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, oh. he decided he wanted to make a film about food that attacked humans and which he also set in Japan. Ultimately, he came upon the idea of a group of people who were attacked by sushi. Nice. The influence is strong. That's right. He, the director also said in an interview that unlike his previous graphic films, he made this for family viewing, though it does include bloody violence and naked women. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But seeing Everything it, I was, but seeing it like I said, it's, ve- it's very like childish in ways. You know what I mean? Like it so reminded much. me well, of... The is, yeah. Yeah, but it just reminded me in like, like tone-wise of like a... Like, Power Rangers or, you know, yeah. a kid's TV show where it's outlandish. Totally. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I it's in still, there. Yeah, it's in, it's in there. Yeah. All right. Jason, what is our next movie we're going to talk about? Well, our third and final film this evening Here is... Well, it's been 13 years, 282 episodes of this <laughs> podcast, and we've never done... The movie that is our namesake. (laughs) And it has finally come to be. We're talking about the 1978 Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Across this great nation, almost everyone has been affected in one way or another by this terrible tomato onslaught. Mrs. Williams, I understand your husband is missing. Yes, Do you think he's dead? Will you miss him? Will you marry again? (laughs) Will he be laying in a ditch somewhere with both his legs calling your name? You will have to find another man, you know. You're no spring chicken. Lives are are shattered. 
The nation is in chaos. Death and destruction sweeps the country. Four Square Productions presents perhaps the funniest film ever made. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Attack, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. You've never seen a film like it. This is the incredible story of the world's ultimate disaster. Vicious man-eating tomatoes grow to monstrous proportions. Faced with this unprecedented menace, the president calls upon Mason Dixon, special agent. Aided by his trusty sidekick, Dixon begins to unravel the terrifying mystery of the deadly tomatoes. Dixon is getting close, too close for someone or something. Who could it be? The girl reporter? The ad executive? The press secretary? Or does it go higher? Join Mason Dixon in a race against time as he battles to save the world from the threat of nature's perfect eating machine, the killer tomato. Ain't no time to make a fuss. We gotta get those tomatoes before they get us. The Killer Tomatoes. You've never seen anything like it. A group of scientists band together to save the world from mutated killer tomatoes. When I found out that I was going to be the lucky one to introduce this movie, <laughs> I mean, the last several days I've been struggling really hard on what to say about this movie. <laughs> I assume this will technically be my last episode no, on this podcast. No. Um, well, I just so this every movie has value, every movie has merit <laughs> in some way to some. So every movie is somebody's favorite movie. It might be somebody's on this podcast. What? Um, but all I the the only not negative thing I can think to say is that. This is just not for me. It is just, it's, the, it's too much. The one negative. Uh, it's too no. much for me. Is this your first time? No. Oh, okay. No, I've seen it a time or two, and I've heard that trailer one bazillion times. Oh, I wonder why. But, um, yeah, it's just too much for me. What did you guys think? That's fair. I know this isn't for everybody, but I'm saving mine for last. Go ahead. It's, uh... Man, it's it's a lot. Um, <laughs> I already said and that. And I'm only saying it's a lot because it's like there's a joke and there's a gag every 15 seconds. You really got to be uh, it, on it your toes. It is hard to recount the jokes, the comedy it, of it. Yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's steroid cereal. There's... Um, uh, Shit, there's there's toothpaste for people with no teeth or dentures, you know, coming across the radio. You really got to listen, you know, because there's, if you're not, you know, really paying attention, there's just there's so many gags in this movie, and um, I can see where films like you know Amazon Women of the Moon or Top Secret kind of got like their, mm -hmm. they kind of you know took their, you know, took took where this left off. Um, 
but <laughs> um yeah it's uh you know is this your first it's time? A, it's it's a, it's my first time yeah Ooh. um uh, you know, I had, and of course, you know, anytime you, uh, you know, it. you would get on the internet and, and type in the word cult films, this is going to come up. Um, I think I first heard about this when, uh, I watched Morgan Stewart's coming home when yes. I was a kid mm. and yes. they kept referencing this movie. I was just like, there's a movie about attack of the killer tomato. At the time, um, did you think that it was, um, made up like just for the movie for Morgan Stewart? Like they I, made I, it up and I, shot their own I'm not sure. I may, I may have. I, I don't know. Um, but I was just like, and then I learned, you know, in subsequent years, I was just like, okay, this, this movie is, you know, it's, it's, it's real. And it, you know, it's out there and it was made. Um, you know, I never really had a hankering to watch it. I think I watched actually more of the sequel uh, before this yeah. this one, because George Clooney was was in the sequel. Return of the Killer um, Tomatoes is great. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I can't really say. I'm just like I when I first heard. Uh, I really laughed out loud when I first heard uh, "Puberty Love" come over the radio <laughs> radio, and I was just like, "Oh my god, you've got to be kidding!" And now I know uh, what uh, Tim Burton uh, used. For uh, to kill the Martians in uh, Mars Attacks, <laughs> I was just like, "This is yeah." He totally he totally ripped this off. And, yep. Tomatoes uh, first. So if uh, you know if people want to rag on this movie, I'm just like, you've got to look at a lot of other films where you know uh, it's influenced a lot of other stuff, in my opinion. That's all I got. Tad. Tad. First time watch for me. Nice. Uh, if you <laughs> Did he like, just say F you? No. <laughs> oh. If you... I, I'm trying to think of nice things to say. Uh-huh. Um, no, it's not... Just go it's, for it. It's fine. It's not, it's not awful, okay? It's not unwatchable. Um, <clears throat> it's one that I've avoided for a long time because I knew it was more... Uh, it, it, the thing is, it's it's like a satire of other movies. It makes fun of you know tropes, but uh, it's sort of like if you're making fun of things, you should be good yourself. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's like the ugly kid calling everyone ugly. It's like look in the mirror, bro. Um, but uh, it's it, it's like airplane if it wasn't funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're getting worse. Oh. Each one. <laughs> but I, I sort of knew that going in. Hey, like, don't hold uh, back. No, I <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, can we change the name of the podcast? Is it too late? Oh, oh shit. <laughs> oh, shit. That doesn't get any worse than that. Uh, That's... Uh, I, I don't like tomatoes, but um, I'd rather eat <laughs> one than watch, watch this, this again. Uh, <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I wanted. I wish I had tomatoes to throw at my own screen. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, I don't know this. I I really did sit down and try. I mean, I watched the whole thing. I really was like, I got to do this. It's like homework. It was. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was rough. Not, not again, like Jason no, said. Maybe not for me. It's uh, not for me. It's if, too much. I mean, I'm ha- not the joke. The jokes that I thought were funny were fucking funny. It just was too much. When you, was what, a, what's that mean? Too much? Like, well, it's you it, just said like, every fifteen seconds. Like what well, Andy yeah. was saying. Oh, okay, it just it's, it's relentless. Instead of like writing good jokes, it put every joke on the screen, hoping that and, one in twelve would be okay. And it felt and like there's... two and a half hours long. <laughs> the movie. I'm not kidding. I checked the clock so many times. I'm like, this is still going. <laughs> There's a few jokes in this that, and, and if you want to call them that, um, they wouldn't fly today. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. there's, you know, it's, it's just that there's that, that scene that kind one. of made me uncomfortable, you know, just some of the terms that they were using. But, um, you know, this, all those guys getting trying to fit into that small ass room, you know, I thought that That's was funny, funny. You know, oh, the funny stuff it, is funny. I mean, there's Absolutely. there's stuff that does work in this, but I mean, it's uh, and I think I said this about other films, but I think it rings true in this one too. It's like it's it's ten pounds of crap in a five pound bag. <laughs> I love and I love the oh. independent spirit of it. They had zero dollars to work with, and they pulled together a feature film, and I love it for that. They tried. It's got a cool poster. <laughs> and a cool theme song. Yes, at least we. It's a musical. Agree. We never said that yet. Yeah. That's right. It's technically a musical. It's technically yeah. a movie. Sometimes <laughs> they sing the right parts. Sometimes they... it's a spoof. Uh, anyway, go ahead, Mike. It's Is it finally my turn? your turn. Are we done? We've oh, my turn. I doubt it, but go ahead. So. Yes, I love Greatest this movie. Greatest film of all time. I've loved this movie since grade school. I first heard of Attack of Killer Tomatoes because of the Golden Turkey Awards books, rating it as one of the worst movies of all time. And I, to this day, never understood that when I feel like a lot of the badness is intentional. Like, how can you call it? How can you call it bad when anyway? And but and I don't fully understand, you know, the hatred on the show. I mean, I get it to a point where you guys are saying I really do, but I I just I don't know. And part of it for me is is maybe my nostalgia, maybe um, maybe that I've been watching this movie uh, continuously on loop since I was in grade school. Um, but it was hated back then too, so I don't know. And I knew going into it that it was hated. Right, back but you were in elementary school, so you know. <laughs> and maybe that's this. Maybe what this movie was made for. <laughs> I thought Three Ninjas was good in '92. <laughs> I still have my original VHS of this that I got on my birthday. Um, yeah, so I love this movie. Uh, I think it's it's funny. I understand what you're saying. It can definitely definitely feel a bit long, especially when. There's a huge chunk of this movie, oh, you know, 75% of this movie where there's no tomatoes. There's no tomatoes going on. And if, if so as especially as an adult now and even growing up through the years rewatching it, I I realized that I, I feel like there are a lot of times that the movie loses its focus. Um, you know, cuz you, you know, I feel like uh Freddy Krueger's on screen more in the original Nightmare on Elm Street than there is uh, tomato <laughs> action in this movie. 
and for the whole franchise is like that. It's like it's it's Killer Tomatoes, and like all four movies just really don't just do much with the tomatoes. Talk a lot about Killer Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, but when we do have tomatoes on screen, it's great. It's in reverse, but I, it's great. I love, and that's awesome. So, so, so awesome looking. It's so cool. Um, when a tomato is chasing after somebody, but it, it's shot in, you know, they're You're shot so in reverse. stubborn with your nostalgia. Um, like I, I, I love the stuff like, and that was the thing too. Like anytime I ever saw a, you know, show talking about worst movies of all time, and they would show clips of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. They would always linger on one of the shots in particular where the woman is being chased by the giant tomato with the shopping cart in front of the grocery store. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you could see the wheels underneath the tomato, but come on, that's intentional. You're supposed to see the wheels underneath the... Um, underneath the tomato. It's totally ragging on, like, the movies, the 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 sci-fi horror movies of the of the 50s where you could see the zipper on the monster's costume i mean that you can't tell me that's not intentional nobody really buries a lot of roger corbin stuff in that way but if you set out to make a bad movie then you can't be mad it's not it's not setting out to make a bad movie it's setting out to satire bad movies is what the whole point of of it is uh I love the sounds that the tomatoes make. How's that go again? It's awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, I didn't push a button, guys. That was Mike. Like cousin <laughs> that was Mike. <laughs> I love the character <laughs> Lieutenant Finletter and how he never takes off the parachute. That always always amuses me. Even in the sequel, when he puts his gear on in the third act, the parachute is still hanging out. Um I love the gags with Sam Smith, the Master of Disguise. I think that's funny. Uh, I love the musical numbers. Um, you know, uh, I love I love all the jokes in the opening credits. You even have like running jokes in the opening credits. Uh, it's great. Now, the one thing that I don't like is the version that we watched on Tubi, um, and the version that's on DVD. I don't know if the Blu-ray has corrected this. I would hope so. But the DVD came out during the time of when the original Star Wars trilogy came out. Uh, got re-released, the special edition. 97? And, yeah, around that time. So there was a lot, especially you know, especially in the comedy sense, a lot of filmmakers that were releasing their stuff on DVD were doing you know, their own special editions. So this version that's on Tubi is the special edition of it that has added footage and um, added like Foley and dialogue and it's all crap. It's all worthless. So the scene, one of the, you know, during the scene where they're all trapped in the room and the, um, the Japanese scientist knocks the, the, the ship, the picture of the ship off of the, wall and it lands in the um fish tank that shot of the fish tank was not in the original film you just see him knock the picture off the wall and that's it so anytime you get like cutaway close-up shots in the special edition that's the new footage and it annoys the hell out of me because some of it is just like oh 
they're like forcing they're forcing the joke even more. Like you just leave the subtlety of of if they didn't get it then you know why why try to force it home now, and the the scene where uh, they're at the end with the giant tomato and the earmuffs. And Mason Dixon is is holding up the sheet music in front of the tomato, which I think is a hilarious gag. I think that's great. But they cut to an insert shot to make sure that you see that it is the puberty love sheet music. It's like I watched this when I was in grade school. I got that back then. There's no <laughs> there was no need for that shot. And then you get like some added in like ADR jokes. Uh, of like voices in the background stuff. And, and there's also some extra like uh, music cues that weren't in the original, like the opening crawl that talks about Alfred Hitchcock's The Burbs, or The Birds. Um, there was no music over that in the original. It just, everything was silent up to, uh, as far as uh, score goes, there was no score at all up until like uh, uh, the tomato starts crawling out of the garbage disposal. So... But yet, the special edition has music laid in over top of that. And, I mean, somebody who's watched it a million times, I mean, I can, like, point out every single moment of that. But at the same time, I feel like there's a contrast in the quality of that of, of those inserts and that foley and the, and the music cues um, compared to the original, because the original was shot in the 70s and it looks like crap. You know, so good luck reproducing that. And it just sticks out like a sore thumb to me, so... Yeah, the special edition stuff didn't care for very much, but uh, uh, but I but dang it, I'm sorry. I still love this movie. I can't help it. Um, you don't can. Apologize. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I I uh, um, it's got Jack Riley in it, who was on the Bob Newhart show in the '70s as well. I wonder too. Um, before I get into that, I wonder too if there's something about independent comp you know we all we, we've talked about on the past on how we enjoy when we get like some we throw in some movie from the 70s into the mix because we love the aesthetic of the 70s you know and all that and stuff looked- but i think maybe there might be a disconnect nowadays with independent 70s comedies maybe um because i talked about scavenger hunt not being as funny as it, it could have been and maybe part of that miss again was also just the way those comedies were shot in the 70s. Uh, Killer Tomatoes could be the same case. I just also recently rewatched um, Hollywood Boulevard, Joe Dante's first movie. Joe Dante, a guy who knows how to do comedy, and like a lot of the comedy in this film felt really off. Again, you know, and that was a, a film, a Roger Corman production shot in the 70s. I don't know. It, it's a crackpot theory that i just it just sprung to mind i don't know if that has anything to do with it or what but back to jack riley um so like that's their big star in this film and he's only only in a couple scenes but his introduction is a great scene where the where the um police are fighting off the tomatoes in a in a uh, tomato field you know you got tomato and they're shooting shotguns at the tomatoes and stuff and there's police cars coming in and it's for lack of money you know there's a lot of production value going on including a helicopter that's coming in and uh at one point the helicopter spins out of control and crashes on the ground awesome stunt right great looked great amazing um amazing bit uh, for the film, right? Well, turns out that that helicopter crash was 100% real. 
They just happened to capture it on on film. Jack Riley was in the helicopter at the time. Uh, yeah, it uh, it spun out of control and crashed, and they just uh, used the footage in the film and kind of wrote that in that you can hear an ADR bit of dialogue about a tomato flying into the the propeller or something like that genius to uh to use that i mean nobody was hurt nobody was killed or you know you know very minor injuries so you know might as well use that footage right totally adds a lot of production value to a movie that has nothing um and i there's even uh uh episode of the tonight show where jack riley is on there talking about that with johnny carson which i i quite enjoy it's very awesome um there is so yeah there's three sequels to this there's return of the killer tomatoes like andy mentioned with uh george clooney's in it and john astin um then there was uh, killer tomatoes strike back and then killer tomatoes eat france um the last two uh you know you want to talk about movies that that uh throw every joke at you every 10 seconds and hope at least one out of every 50 gets a laugh that those two are way more like that than this one believe it or not so um i do still like those ones but they are definitely far lesser than the first two films and return of the killer tomatoes is is great uh the killer tomatoes spawned a cartoon series that lasted like three seasons it had Video games, merchandising. I have my little killer tomato uh, toy um, at home with my little Dr. Gangrene action figure with it. Uh, Yeah, killer tomatoes are great. Now, there's technically a fifth killer tomato movie. So in 1976, two years before um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, director John DeBello and um, producer co-writer Costa Dillon made a 17-minute short film um, that's actually on that same DVD, the 25th anniversary DVD that I was talking about a minute ago. So it's still a cool DVD package. It's just a bummer that they felt the need to add stuff to to, to the film. Um, but, yeah, there you go. That's why When Killer was Tomatoes the last one, it. like the newest one made? The last one was uh, Killer Tomatoes Eat France, but it was supposed to be the third one and it ended up being the fourth one. Because at the end of Return of the Killer Tomatoes, it says the next movie will be Killer Tomatoes Eat France. But Strikes Back came out first. And what I, year? Oh gosh, I don't Strikes remember. Strikes Back uh, Eats France was 92. Okay. Okay. I was just curious if, like, why, you know, it's a very popular name. Like, it's due for a new sequel, boot, reboot. There's been rumors of it for decades now of, of a new film or a reboot or a remake. Um, I think it's even gone into production once or twice, but never never seen through. So, I don't know. But, yeah, Killer Tomatoes are awesome. I don't care what you guys say. Tad, what trivia do you have for... Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Well, I had just a little bit more info on the helicopter crash uh, that I pulled from IMDb. Uh, the tail rotor blades accidentally hit the ground, causing the helicopter to spin. Uh, and the debris in the top rotor blades just missed the police officers and the crew off camera. Uh, the pilot did receive minor injuries. And after being pulled from the wreck, Jack Riley and George Wilson quickly ad-libbed the rest of the scene as the wreck was set on fire. 
the crash of the $60,000 rented helicopter used up more of the budget than all other aspects of the film combined. <laughs> wow. So that was that little, that wreck was the most expensive part of the movie. Um, and then the giant earmuffs that the giant tomato is wearing at the end were actually two big bright green toilet seat covers. <laughs> That's great, guys. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Oh, and uh, another movie that referenced Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. That's the movie that she plays at the uh, at the local movie theater when she does her little midnight show uh, to raise money to fix her car. There you go. So it's unanimous. We all love Attack of Killer Tomatoes. Okay, so that's it, folks. Can't eat another bite. All the films for this episode, but don't worry, there's still more Attack of the Killer podcasts to come. We're going to take a quick quick break, and when we come back, we'll be serving dessert. And tonight's dessert is segments. But first, you're going to hear about our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN is home to so many amazing shows, such as Atomic Weight of Cheese, mm. where cult cinema is real life, and real life is frequently cult cinema. You can check them out, Atomic Way to Cheese, and all the other shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show. Now it is time to hear from you guys, the listeners. Here's Jason with shoutouts. It's time for shoutouts. So happy you picked uh, the cheese guys. Of course, you picked the cheese guys. It's the only podcast on the network with that's food, <laughs> food related. Anyway. Yeah, that wasn't by accident. So we asked, "What's your favorite food horror movie?" And Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Not, oh, you weren't that. asking me. Sorry. No, on our Facebook page, oh, we got a lot of comments this time. Shoutouts. We got uh, Casey Kelderman. He's from that brand new show on the network, Screams from the Basement. Hey, Casey. What's up? He says, probably. (laughs) But he also (laughs) says, I mean, we should all be saying Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, right? Right. Right? Right. Wrong. Uh, We got Lisa from the Bad Movie Bunny podcast. She says, hi, Ted. She would say. (laughs) And she also, why am I doing that? I don't know. She said the stuff was pretty gross. Yay, the stuff. That's body right. melt was made. <laughs> I liked body melt. I th- maybe so more than I. the stuff, which I it's okay, but yeah, but that's so funny. All right, we got Melvin Randolph. He says gravy. Which I haven't. That's seen. a movie. Yeah, I haven't okay, recently yeah. recently came up in our chat oh. with the attackers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That's why it's probably Emily who put that. But um, then we got Jacob McLaughlin, Attacker Jacob says, Microwave Massacre is a movie that I unabashedly love. Yes. It, it didn't click with me the first time, but after rewatching it, became a favorite. Jackie Vernon's performance is one <laughs> to behold. Yeah, but it is. That must be my problem. I just haven't watched it more than that one time. <laughs> hey, we got Terry Turford. Hey. That's right. We're Terry's Terry. here. We're Hi, Terry. Terry. <laughs> uh, she says, the stuff. Yeah. Delicatessen. Good one. Fuck Honor- yes. Honorable mention to A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5 for the dinner scene. <laughs> you are what oh, you yeah. eat. Yeah. There's lots of good food in, in the oh, yeah. Nightmare franchise. Little meatballs. Yeah. Yep. Yep. What about Heather choking on Drano and corn nuts? Where's that cricket sound? From Heather's? Oh, from Heather's. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I changed movies. Oh, then yeah, we got you, you said Heather and I, we we're on Heather Nightmare on Elm Street Camp. and I was thinking Heather Lancaster. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> My took bad. me a minute to get there. No, it just took me a minute. We got Brian Clark. He says, the downfall of the characters in Matango is succumbing to the temptation of food they know will destroy them. How did I know he was going to bring up Matango? Anytime he can bring up Matango, he's going to bring up Matango. <laughs> That's all he talks about. He's going to start his own Matango podcast, probably. <laughs> uh, he also says, the dumplings segment in Three Extremes Ooh, yeah, is wonderfully sick. And lastly, he says, it takes all kinds of critters to make Farmer Vincent's fritters in Motel Hell. Over in our Facebook group, we got Tim Lennerer. He says, the stuff is a weird and wonderful Larry Cohen satire about consumerism. I genuinely believe that the first person to see strange goop from the Earth's core bubbling up (laughs) will try to taste it. Because people tend not to display wisdom. He goes on to say, ravenous. Starts with some absolutely repulsive shots of steak at a celebratory dinner for the protagonist. Antonia Bird, the director, was a vegetarian, and she really makes you feel revulsion at those knives and forks piercing dead flesh. And, of course, the protagonist and the villain of the movie are both cannibals who get stronger and tougher on a diet of two-legged mutton. But seriously, it's the steak dinner at the beginning that looks worse than anything else in the film. He makes a third comment and says, Anthony Wong <laughs> took home a Best Actor Trophy at the 1994 Hong Kong Film Awards for his role in The Untold Story. Released in some markets as Human Meat Pork Buns, The Untold Story. <laughs> it's a base, extraordinarily loose on real events movie about a guy who killed 10 people in a restaurant in Portuguese, Macau, in 1985. The scenes of pale pink ground meat being extruded from the meat grinder are amazingly gruesome because the audience knows what it is, even though there's no explicit shots of human body parts going into the grinder. Sick. Yeah. Hey, we got Attacker Rose. Tad, want to say hi? It's your friend, Rose. Hey, Rose. Hey. Uh, She says, Silence of the Lambs? (laughs) Question mark. Hannibal makes his own food. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and then we got Emily. She's back. She says, I narrowed it down to four, but could go <laughs> on. She says, Blood Diner, 1987. Yeah. Dread, uh-huh. 2009. Dread. Remember scenes from Dread? Uh, the Menu, 2022. Good pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Perfect Host from 2010. Haven't seen it. Okay. Nope. 
And then uh, lastly, in the Facebook group edition, we got attacker Abe Kirshner. He says, the answer is the stuff. <laughs> but the menu. Of course he'd say that. Of course, he's obligated to say it. Mm-hmm. He says, but the menu was great. One, was a great one as well. And just to offer up a unique answer, Flux Gourmet on Shutter was no. a batshit crazy gross watch about people who make music, a.k.a. soundscapes, with cooking food. To give you an example of what to expect, it seemed like something Mike would pick for the show as a conversation piece. Hell no, that movie. That being said, I did enjoy it. That movie's stupid. Come on, that one's. It sucked. People are forgetting fresh, too. Yep. Yep. Uh, Over on Instagram, we got this uh, guy named, uh, well, his uh, Shrekweg. S C H it's it's uh Shrek what it's Steph Stefan, that's who it is. He's got some <laughs> Stefan Sitter. He says Stephen We're King We're not big readers. No. He says Stephen Stephen King's movie adaptation on Thinner is great. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Lack of food. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he has another comment here. He says uh, nice topic that you guys brought to the table. <laughs> okay, there's a pun. <laughs> but anyway, when it comes to human... To Mike too long. I know, right? <laughs> when it comes to human flesh being food to other people and we're going totally cannibal movies. So that aside, watching other people eating can be disgusting in a way. And a perfect example for that is the dinner scene in the beginning of 1999's Ravenous. Oops, a cannibal movie. <laughs> But the way they shot that scene makes me want to go full veggie. And we had nothing over on Twitter, but look at that. There's a message on the machine. Hey, everybody. Attacker Brian here for my bi-weekly phone call. Sounds like the boys are talking killer food this episode. So we got to go with some ginger dead man. One of my favorites with Gary Busey and his crazy. Yeah. Um, that's bad, the bed that eats. I mean, the bed is eating people as it's food, I gather. I mean, maybe that's killer furniture. Maybe it's killer food. Maybe it's a little bit of everything. Uh, the stuff. He's drunk. Ice cream man. Yeah. Uh, super size me. I mean, that's about killer food, right? I mean, the guy <laughs> eats McDonald's. Last but not least, the one that started it all. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, yeah. the namesake for this podcast, and all of our friends. You guys take care. Watch out for that killer food. Bye-bye. Thanks, Godzilla. See, um, I can't believe Jason's not freaking out right now because technically Texas Chainsaw Massacre is about food, too. Yeah, we should have watched that. So, uh... But it's hey, about a family... Uh, that yeah. eats people. <laughs> yeah. They sit around the dinner table. and Anyway, so you guys can also get your voicemail on the show. You can give us a call at 415-952-6857 or 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us a voicemail. We'll put your pretty voices on the show, and that's your way to get onto shout-outs because that's what this segment was. That's it. But we're not done yet. One more to go. We got some insane picks. Saints, 
First of all, before I get started, I just want to apologize to Abe uh, for calling <laughs> Flux Gourmet stupid because that was that was harsh. That was harsh, but I did not like that movie. It was it made me mad, so I had a knee jerk reaction. I'm sorry, Abe. Now that out of the way. Uh, now that I'm covering all different genres on Insane's picks, I can talk about one of my all-time favorite filmmakers. One of those rare filmmakers that I feel has never strayed from his original vision, although many there are many others out there that would disagree. And I'm talking about, of course, John Waters. For me, it doesn't matter if it's Pink Flamingos or Hairspray. As soon as I start up a John Waters film, I know it's a John Waters movie. And for this Insane's Picks, I'm going to talk about the film that kind of bridges the gap between his early films, such as Multiple Maniacs and Pink Flamingos, and his more mainstream stuff like Cry Baby and Hairspray. I'm going to be talking about 1981's Polyester. Polyester is about a suburban housewife with a fetish for smelling things. Uh, Her name is Frances Fishpaw, and she's played by Divine. Uh, Her world falls apart when she finds out that her husband, the owner of a porno theater, is is serially unfaithful to her. And and also that her juvenile delinquent daughter gets pregnant, and also her drug-addicted son is suspected of being the foot fetish uh, stomper who goes around stepping on women's feet. Her best friend is Cuddles, uh, her former housekeeper, now rich debutante, played to perfection by Edith Massey. Uh, Cuddles, Cuddles tries to help her through her husband's infidelity and Francine's own alcoholism. One day she ends up meeting and falling in love with Todd Tomorrow, played by Tab Hunter, who also does the amazing opening theme song to the movie as well. And everything starts to go right for Francine until Todd ends up betraying her too. Like all of John Waters' films, Polyester was filmed in his hometown of Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, one of the things that makes this film different is that it is that it features a William Castle-type gimmick called Odorama, where moviegoers were given a scratch-and-sniff card, and throughout the movie, the, a number would p- appear on the screen, and you would scratch-and-sniff that same number on the card, which I always felt like was a great thing of John Waters um, poking fun at his own audience because... You know, it'd be a scene of like a character farting on film, and the number would pop up on the screen, and your and people in the audience would be scratching and sniffing the card. Like you know what the smell is going to be. It's going to be nasty, but people did it anyway, and that's hilarious. Polyester is a great satire of suburban housewife and suburb the suburban lifestyle. I also feel like it's kind of a send up of daytime soap operas, which were the kind of stereotyped television viewing for bored suburban housewives. Uh, complete with the traditional over-the-top dialogue and cartoonish performances that you expect from a John Waters film. It's very weird, very funny, very demented. I love Polyester, and it is truly an insane's picks. Woohoo! So that is it for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I hope you are all full, and if <laughs> not, you may have a tapeworm. Subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, be sure to leave us a review, all that online mumbo-jumbo. And you can also become an attacker by going to jointheattackers.com. 
Thank you all so much for listening and sitting down at the dinner table with us, and we'll talk to you again next time on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? Attack of the Killer Podcast!